This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome into another off-season edition of Spits and Suds. So glad you can be with us. It's hot outside, but... Trust me, before we know it, the ice will be nice and cool here in DFW as the stars take the ice in just a few months. And joining me, as he always does, from EP Ringside, Shap Shots from his book, We Win Here, D Magazine, it's Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I'm doing uh, really well. It's uh, it's a good Friday in July, and uh, to be, I know this is a hockey show, but uh been a fun week. I had a went, went and saw a kind of baseball royalty yesterday. I was there for the the Shohei Otani showing yeah. for the doubleheader, and it's uh, just kind of one of those things where it's just kind of cool to see as a sports fan. So I know this is a hockey show, but uh, well, you, actually, that was secret. topic number one. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was that was topic number yeah. one. So did you? I mean, because it is odd to see natural doubleheaders. Usually it's yes. day night, so that's cool. My dad used to take me some double headers when I was a kid, and just so memorable. I was eating it all up. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't wait for that second game to start. I loved watching the lineup changes and what we had in store for the second game. So tell 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 me, you know, your day, mm-hmm. you know, who you went with, and what it was like seeing you, Darvish. Yeah, it was uh well not you Darvish. We all we we've, we've seen you Darvish in Shohei Otani. <laughs> My bad. That's so, uh, that's funny. Um but so I actually went with uh one of the someone who's actually a good listener of the program, uh, uh Alex Pisani, who is uh Alex has uh, been a longtime reader and listener and uh so him and I went to the went to the game and uh for the uh one o'clock start we uh it was uh otani was starting the first game we had pretty good seats pretty good view i mean it was a one o'clock game on a thursday so it was kind of one of those those weird one of those naturally weird crowds where it's like you definitely have some people who are there but it's also during the work day and one of the things i love about the natural double header was so course before the during during first couple innings i crushed a bag of peanuts and everything like that but with the knowing that you've got another game and knowing there's no seventh inning call last call for uh for beer and everything like that like we sat and watched you know the new pitch is also testament to the new pitch clock which has made the game go faster but did not get up the entire from from pitch one to the final out did not get up 
It was great. Just sat and watched the whole game, enjoyed it. After the game, after game one, able to meander back, have 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 a beverage, and then go back and start watching game two. I, I, I it's such a great relaxing experience because all of you don't feel like, well, I got to get this done. I got to, I got to go get this hot dog. Now I have to do this now during game one. No, you have, there's a whole nother game. They're not kicking you out of the park. It's such a great setup. And uh, it's something obviously you don't get in any other sports. You're not getting the natural double header in any other sports for with, with two gate with uh, you're not, you're not getting two stars games back to back like that. So embrace it. I, I, it's a lot of fun. And then to see, um, to see, to see kind of one of the best do something in any sport is always really cool for me. Like it's whether you're a big baseball nerd or not, and or whatever, like to me to kind of see, to watch, um, that's, that's legitimately cool. That's one of those things where I, I wrote, I mentioned something about this with, uh, in a piece today at Shap Shots where it's the type of thing was, it's the type of game that makes you wish that like, uh, hard copy tickets were still a thing because I'd love to be able to like, that's one of those where it's like, Hey, I was there. Yeah. I want to, I want to throw, I want to, that's, I want, I want that hard copy ticket. I want to put it on my desk. I want to put it on the shelf in my office because that's one of those things where you're like, ah, that was a really cool day of baseball and you want to remember it. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I still have my hard copy of winter classic tickets and I, I keep them because I mean, a few months later we got rid of the hard tickets. So yeah. Those are those are kind of antiques now. Yeah. So yeah. I thought of a hockey question for you because yeah. when I saw that you were going to be at the game and I thought to myself, who is the Shohei Otani over your years of covering hockey in that when Shohei, whether he pitches or whether he's at the plate, there's a noticeable difference. And who was the person that you've watched over the years with hockey that you felt, wow, that's just a different class? Um, for me, there's only like as a hockey nerd and a hockey fan, a hockey writer, right? Like, obviously there's so many people, there's so many players where I'm like, I love watching this guy play or this guy skate. But to me, the, the thing that Otani has that he brings to the game and brings to the park where it's you are, you don't have to be a baseball fan to appreciate what he's doing. And to me, the person who he reminds me most of from the hockey world is Dominic Hasek, where Dominic Hasek um, did things in the way he played goalie. You didn't have to be a hockey fan. You didn't have to be a diehard goaltending fanatic or anything like that to see what he was doing was just legitimately cool and like a pitcher he was a goalie so he was in a spot where he was on the ice the whole time and everything like that to me the more and more I think about it the closest thing we've had in hockey to that is probably Dominic Hasek where the way he played the game how unique he was how different he was from everyone else who played his position it's to to me it's Hasek like that that was one of those things where you're like hey I want to see schedule would come out and you'd be like, I want to see Dominic Hasek play. And that, and that's kind of, to me, that's the, the one at the level. There's obviously guys from mm-hmm. a hockey perspective where I'm like, Oh, I want to see, I definitely want to see McD- Oilers come to town. I want to see the Oilers. I want to see McDavid. I want to see, I want to watch 
I want to watch Kill Makar. I want to watch uh, you. You want to watch Miro Heishkin play, but the way the Otani lore, the I'm going to make a trip to go see that guy play, or I want to. I'm going to see something I'm not going to see any other night. To me, it's Dominic Hasek, and that's that's the closest thing we've had in hockey. Okay, I'll probably throw out a Vetchkin in that I've always been amazed that throughout his career. Like, why don't they just put two guys on him in the power play? Or just have a guy stick with him the whole time. And, and, that, I, was and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. always amazed at, like, it just, to me, it looked like he wasn't trying out there. And yet, there'd be that one-timer, and sure enough, he's on the scoreboard. And it's just, I don't know, it was just the way he played that I'm like, wow, it just, if this guy didn't score, I wouldn't think that this guy's into the game at all. It's just he glides, you know? It's so to to me, he was one of those guys that I was just like, wow, I just can't believe this. I mean, if he's that good, why don't you why aren't you just blanketing him right now? Very uh, I mean, very Brett Hull-esque, right? Yes. The, yes. The the not um I mean, obviously Ovechkin Hull was Ovechkin-esque because Ovechkin is the is the is is the gold standard, right? He's gonna be the all time leading. He'll be the all time leading goal scorer and, and all of that stuff. So, but very much like Brett Hole, right? Where prime Brett Hole didn't really do much for most of the game, but he'd end up with two goals and an assist. And um, for me, the Ovechkin, basically, the fact that it looks like he's waiting for a bus by the faceoff dot. And then that's one of the most dangerous stances <laughs> yeah. in all of professional sports. It's 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 kind of it's there's a beautiful irony to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And there are players around the league, and that's why I continue to say, Stars fans, when the season starts, don't worry about the original six coming to town or Edmonton to see Connor McDavid. I can appreciate that. And if you want, you know, if it's a must-see to see Connor McDavid, absolutely pay that premium. But every single team has a player to watch. I truly believe that. If the Ottawa Senators come to town, focus on Thomas Shabbat and see the ease at which he skates. And we'll talk about Ottawa later on in this podcast, but they're just, uh, you know, Carolina, Sebastian Ajo. I mean, you know, early on, I loved watching the LA Kings for two reasons. I loved the skating ability of Drew, uh, Drew Doughty and how much time on ice he had. And I just, I love watching the LA Kings because of Anse Kopitar. I just think that he's just an unheralded player. I mean, we just kind of forget the, how legendary I feel as though he is. So, uh, on to your conversation, D Magazine mm-hmm. with Jim Nill. A nice sit down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a chance, go to D Magazine and check out Sean's conversation with Jim Nill. A new two year contract for for Jim Nill, and I wasn't invited um, to have this conversation with you, Sean. But um, you tell the rest. Yeah, obviously. Uh, earlier this week, Jim Nill signed the two-year contract extension to be the GM of the Stars for um, three more seasons. It was a two-year extension that officially adds another two years to this uh, this coming season. So he went from basically what could have been considered quote-unquote lame duck GM being in the final year of a deal to now he's got three years of stability. And uh, Nill's tenure is pretty impressive right it's uh i was when i was looking this up if the fact of the matter is since it's funny that you mentioned the winter classic earlier of having the ticket there because since that date january 1st 2020 
half of the teams in the league have changed GMs at least once. Like sick and and nil is now the fourth longest tenured GM in currently in the NHL and the longest tenured GM in Dallas Stars history. And I think the people it's it's kind of one of those funny things with nil. And the story was is is more about kind of how he built out his uh, how he how he goes about things, how it's changed and, and and things like that. But the thing that I think for stars fans that I really think about is Jim Nil is going to be is uh, now they haven't won a cup. Um, so obviously it's the it's he's always going to be number two in that realm. But like, I don't think people realize how much his longevity and his long-term defining to this franchise is having like his impact on this franchise is, I think sometimes gets understated. Um, the stars, he came in and he brought some stability. He, and he's done it all with a bit of the backdrop of it's not the, it's not a simple, just build the best roster win a Stanley Cup thing. Because if that was the case, you could make some other, you could sacrifice long-term futures for short-term gains. Nil's not able to do that because of the the mandate and the impact of this market and the and the requirement from Tom Gillardi to basically be in that playoff conversation every single year. So Jim's nil Jim Nil's job is not as simple as people think it is. Um and I was really appreciative of how Neil kind of opened up about that, how he discussed how every single move he's always looked at. And, and he's a humble man, too. He's totally even mentioned, said it in a quote on the record there. I've made mistakes. It's happened. Um, we all do. We're human. But every single move he's made, he's made with the concept of how do I make the stars better for today and tomorrow and down the stretch? And not every GM thinks like that. Um, there are a lot of stars fans I know, and we've heard people on this show and I don't disagree with those people sometimes, but we've, we've heard the people who think he should have been more aggressive here or there or treated this asset for that or whatever. And it's always been one step in the now one step in the future. And I think people will really appreciate Nils legacy in Dallas two or three years after he's gone because whoever takes over next in Dallas, whether it's an internal or external hire, they're not going to be taken over from somebody who basically tried to get the best for themselves in that final year and didn't worry about the future. And I think that's going to be Nils lasting legacy. He's going to leave at some point, some, some point he'll no longer be the stars GM and the stars will still be a contender and competitive because Nil was never willing to sell out the future for for right now and try to and, and just give himself the best chance of something. I think I think it's a it's an it's an interesting thing in sports because a lot of GMs, not many GMs take that mentality um, because a it's they have short time to prove they should have a job, and b they can. He's, they can easily they can easily be fired, so they're not really worried about what the next guy's getting. Yeah, two things. When I read the article, I agree with you. I thought the candid conversation regarding that 
our job is to get people in the seats during the regular season. Everyone gets excited for Stars hockey in the playoffs. I thought that was interesting because the franchise really hasn't talked about that too much. Yeah. So I yeah. thought, you know, great job. The other thing that I loved about the article, Sean, was, you know, in sports, it becomes a job and it, granted, they want to do well. They want to, you know, win the prize. But to me, I got the sense that Jim Nill still appreciates that this franchise gave him the opportunity, although he was courted for, you know, for other NHL teams. He chose Dallas. And I feel as though his loyalty is strong and his passion is strong for this franchise. And that's what I got out of that article as well. And I'm not saying that, you know, other GMs around the league might not have that. But as you said, you know, the the turnover is so high, and I just feel as though Jim Nill really feels strongly about this franchise. And what I also got from this article was is that he is a great protector from Tom Gallardi. I'm not saying that in a negative way, but he's the one that takes the conversation regarding you know moves to be made, and he's the one that has to block it and say, no, we can't do that because Logan Stankoven is the future. And he puts his butt on the line. And I do appreciate that because there are GMs that would acquiesce to the owner's wishes. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's an incredible balance that Jim Neal has to strike with an owner like Tom Gillardi. It is the. Um, it, it's funny because if, if Tom Gillardi, Gavin, if Tom Gillardi was an owner in any other town, he would be way he would be looked at as way more hands-on by the general public yes but he shares <laughs> his team plays in a market where the owner is the gm literally yep. and, and for the biggest team for the biggest team in north america basically and the other owner who is not the gm but he is uh very hands-on in everything day-to-day with mark cuban and the mavericks so it's it's tom gallardi by dallas standards is the third most controlling owner but as far as nhl standards go he is one of the more uh opinionated at the table owners um at the in the league and nil's job is to obviously deliver the team the owner wants but his team his job is also to give the measured pushback that doesn't allow the owner to completely run him over as has as 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 could easily happen so um i uh i I think it's it's, and it's one of those jim is very good at he he doesn't speak poorly of other people and he will never really I, i think he'll always keep his mouth shut on some of the challenges that are presented by the ownership forum and everything like that but so he's not going to give himself credit. So I'm going to do it. Like it is not easy to be a GM when the owner is a fanatic and it's good to have a fanatical owner at times, but it is not, but like you read old stories about the Yankees and and the, and the Stein and the Steinbrenners about people who were like, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's that extreme, but it's, it it is a space where nil. Yeah. But nil does a lot that, Nil does a lot to achieve his job that people that that people don't realize he's 
hurdle jumping because he's never going to complain about it. Yeah, yeah. And from Gallardi's side, especially in hockey, that playoff gate means so much as far as revenue. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't blame Gallardi for pushing and you know wanting to make the playoffs all year, but it wasn't necessarily what I liked about Nils' response was he admitted that he doesn't feel as though DFW will sit through a rebuild similar to Chicago. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was fascinating as well. And he did allude to the 2017 draft and how that was a, I don't want to call it a franchise saver, but it really changed the dynamic in which the, the franchise was going for those draft picks to pay such massive dividends. Um, That was their rebuild essentially. So I, I found that fascinating as well. And that's kind of a future nugget that we should keep in mind that, you know, rebuilds are tough here because they are afraid of losing that fragile fan base. And it's, and it's a, the people listening to this show, right? Like, it's always funny. We've, we have this conversation sometimes the people listening to this show, you're not the, you're not the issue, right? Like if you're listening to spits and suds, you are, you're, you're the hockey fan that we know we, this show is for you. This show is for the hockey fan of DFW who wants more. And hopefully we can turn more and more general sports fans in DFW onto the show. That'd be great. Tell your friends as we tell people, but in general, it is more and more about the general populace where it is the, the reality of the day in DFW, the general sports fan. We know it's a Cowboys town first through fifth and you're you're fighting against that and it's 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 good for it's good to know i guess is what you put it it's good to know that the stars are self-aware of that because i think when you if you're not self-aware that's when you start to put yourself into potential trouble right so <laughs> no you're absolutely right and that's a great transition to our next topic we found out um basically this week, um, late last week maybe, that Saad Youssef, uh, who has covered the stars for The Athletic, will be shifting roles and joining John Mishota from The Athletic to cover the Dallas Cowboys. He'll still do some stars, but coming off of the Dallas Morning News, not hiring a Dallas Stars reporter, and now The Athletic News, and then we saw that defending Big D had to go away as well. Well, no, let's defending Big D has not gone away, right? Okay. Let's let's be clear. Let's All be right. clear on that. What's going to happen? Defending Big Defending Big D had their had their had SB Nation. SB Nation and Vox cut all funding and Defending Big D has gone independent. So Defending Big D did to be to be clear, let's Taylor Baird who uh, Taylor Baird has worked incredibly hard to um make sure there still will be a version of defending big D. And um, I know I, I remember I talked to Taylor during the playoffs. She's working very hard to make sure that there is something for stars fans and, and, and keeping something there with defending big D, but it's very, it's, it's the state of the industry is they were dealt a blow. They were, she, it could have gone away easily if Taylor wasn't um, dedicated and willing to push to get something done, there would be no defending Big D. So 
Defending Big D still exists. Um, it will, it's still, it's, it's independent now. They did some good funding. They, they did some crowdfunding to get it done. And I think Taylor deserves a ton of credit for that, but it's in the state of the media landscape. What happened there where they lost their funding and how they were, could have been just easily chopped. She fought. So that didn't happen. And the stars fans are fortunate. They had someone to fight for that because that hasn't happened where other places, they don't have somebody in a position of decision-making, making those decisions, right? At the Dallas Morning News, um, they have not replaced the, they have not replaced Matt DeFranks fully. Uh, Joseph Hoyt has done some work for, covered the team during the playoffs, but Joseph is is a college football writer. And uh, Joseph's, when he shows up and he does that stuff, there's, he's, He's a smart reporter. He asks intelligent questions, but he's not a full-time stars reporter. And I know firsthand, I have talked to people who are good hockey reporters. Some very good, actually. Uh, Very, very good, actually. Who I know were interested in the Dallas Morning News, Dallas Stars beat job. Um, And when they heard about what the job was going to be, they were not interested anymore because they were told it would be something Dallas stars coverage plus Texas Rangers coverage. It wasn't just a hockey job. Dallas morning news did that. And then the situation with the athletic where the Saad Yusuf, who I know, I know Saad was taking some heat on Twitter this week and, and everything for what's happened. And I just want to say to people right now, like you need to lay off Saad because it's not, it's not Saad's fault. It's the people above Saad who made the decision to we're going to shuffle roles around. And at the end, of, and we're, and for us, it's more valuable to have somebody in the, on the Dallas, and Dustin, another person on the Cowboys beat. And he can do some star stuff. And, and honestly, I mean, I don't think, I don't know the full background there. And I don't care to know the full background because it's not my place. But, I, I know that Saad is someone who probably fought to do more for stars fans on the back end. And he's probably not allowed to say that. So I think just from a piece of grace and a piece of understanding, I think we need to just be kind to, to Saad here, but the people above him decided that stars coverage is not worth the full-time investment. It's more, it's, we need someone who is doing Cowboys and this, and it can always, it can be the and, and it's just sad, Gavin, because it's, it's the thing about it is no one in no quote unquote traditional media member. Cause I once, as I, as I said, like defending big D still exists and I really want people to keep reading their site. Plus blackout Dallas. That's another yeah. one that's but trying to grow. It, 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 I hope they grow, but Defending Big D is the one that right now I just want to be like, I know Taylor has fought hard to to keep that. And, defend, and Taylor and Defending Big D is someone who, even with their limitations of having full-time day jobs and still trying to do stars coverage or showing up to to cover the team and everything like that. So they're part of the they're working to help provide a solution. I want that to be, but for traditional 
for other media coverage in Dallas, it's now so much of like actual media coverage of people who are credentialed and can cover. It's it's no the stars have an and in front of them now. It's Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Stars. It's Texas Rangers and the Dallas Stars. It's no longer just the Dallas Stars, and it's sad. I mean, it, it, it's a sad state of where things have gone, and it's a, a part of it's a concept of. I mean, it's a side effect of the journalism industry. It's a side effect of the of how things work, but it's. I mean, I'm sad about it. I, I really am because. I I think back on the Stars beat and some of my when Matt DeFranks was covering it for the morning news and uh, he and I and I was covering it uh, for the athletic and we were there at the same time and man, we pushed each other. We had a, such a great love hate relationship. I mean, Matt and I would. We would we would read every each other's work each morning. We'd wake up and read each other's work and see what the other one did. And there'd be times we'd said the uh, it's the podcast, so I can swear right now. We'd say we'd say the text, man, like oh, man, good fucking story today. Like times where it's like you, the the other the other guy got you, but you're like, and you gave him his credit, but then you went back and you tried to get him the next day. And it was and stars coverage was great. It was like I really look at that as like one of the golden eras of stars coverage because. It was awesome. We pushed each other. We fought. We, we had, it, we would get beers about it later. We would get beers after the game and not tell the other what we were working on because we were we didn't want the other one to catch wind of it. And sure. then we would, and then we, and, and then like I remember one time. It's a great story. Um, we're in, I'm in Boston, uh, and uh, I'm in I'm in Boston for this would have been the twenty. Uh, 1819 season, I think. No, yeah, 2018, 19 season. And I'm in Boston, and uh it's the day after it's the day before a game, just flew in from Carolina, I believe. And uh I take the uh take the Uber over to BU's campus to go watch Jake Ottinger practice. And uh then I, I walk in and right at the same time, uh Matt DeFranks, he walks in at the exact same time. We both gave like the "oh fuck you" look to each other of like, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like we, it's like, like we're both we're both thought like, oh man, we're gonna, I'm like, I'm in Boston, I'm gonna go watch the kid practice who hasn't, who's gonna be the Stars goalie in a couple of years. Like the other guy's not gonna do this, and and like we both walk in, it was like, I guess we'll just split the other back. Hey man, so it's yeah, yeah. so it's it's a sad like. It's sad to see that's what stars coverage is lost. And um, I, I hope that Saad has been, Saad has been going on Twitter and obviously talking quite a bit about how he will continue to still be there and he's not going anywhere. He's still covering the stars. And, and I really hope that he proves everyone wrong. I really hope that he's able to do more and more and all this stuff, but it's also something where, you can't be in Oxnard and Traverse city at the same time. That's just the reality, right? True. Like you can't be, and th- there's just, there's just a whole reality of it. And um, I'm sad for stars fans on that. I'm, I hope that through this podcast, through some of my writing, people are still getting something, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that can replace a full-time day-to-day beat writer because they are there. They are getting 
the stories. They are learning things every day. And those, those best, those great big stories, those great trend pieces, everything like that, they come from watching a Tuesday morning practice in February. They come from uh, a random interaction at the hotel lobby of a, of, of the, on, on, a, on an off day during an off day interview. Those are the things that are getting lost from stars coverage. And unless the decision makers, it's, it's very much like the Lorax, right? Where it's like, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, you know, the end of the Lorax book where it's like, it's like, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, it's not going to change. And so unless like your message here is to like to the people running the Dallas morning news, the people running a place I used to work, like unless someone like you who has the financial fortitude to care, it's not going to change. And it's sad because the stars fans are the ones that get dealt a blow by this. And I feel for you because I, 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 I really, I really loved the stars beat. It was one of the things that for me covering the team and the opportunity and growing myself as a writer and a person and the readers there, it really meant a lot to me. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't know if there's a good follow up to any of that, Gavin. But I'm just no. It's, I, I I wanted to I wanted to give my opinion yeah. and feel free. You can yeah. disagree. And I mean, kudos to those that are doing doing the coverage. So mm-hmm. I'll be very candid on this podcast. I started this podcast to call Stars fans bluff because I was sick and tired of people saying that we don't talk enough Dallas Stars. So I created this podcast to give Stars fans what they wanted. And kudos to Stars fans; they responded. Today's society is extremely analytical and the athletic and others, and you work for the athletic. So, you know, I mean, they look at the numbers and they look at the downloads. I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying that because there should be full-time beat reporters covering the Dallas stars. This is a major market franchise, but at the same time, I think one of the, one of the things is the reality is, is we did our playoff shows, Sean, late at night based on, we saw the growth of this podcast and we said, we feel as though we can capture something and it continued yeah. to grow. Yeah. So that's the reality. We were looking at the analytics and we both agreed, Hey, this is something cool. People are responding. We could feel it on Twitter. We can feel it on social media. So um, I, I do feel as though that you can develop a vibe and your stories about you and Matt DeFranks are amazing and I wish that could happen again. But I'll also say what Jim Nill was referring to is that people need to pay attention during the regular season. And yeah. I, you know, people, I'll just say this. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about like stars fans. And this includes myself, but we have to rally to support those like Taylor, you mentioned. And I apologize to you, Taylor, because I didn't know the background and I'm glad Sean pointed that out. Happy for you to come on this podcast, but we need to rally for those that want to put in the effort and cover this team, meaning you should support Defending Big D. You should support this podcast. You should support other podcasts. Heck, support Mike Heike. You know, support these people, and together that will show that this team deserves more coverage. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And it's, it's the, it's 
the and I, I mean it's gonna sound silly coming from me because I'm someone who has a a service that like I want people to pay for it at, at, at my on my Substack and everything like that. But analytically speaking, because it's how things work, the more people that are willing to invest in coverage, the more it stays, and that's just true. Like I mean, I know, and I I in my own coverage to give people a quick, like peel back the curtain of how I handle coverage over at, over at my sub stack at Shap shots and everything like that. Um, I'm writing stuff because I enjoy writing it, but I'm also still writing it because I see people are subscribing. People are sharing it. There's still people are showing me that my time and cause I know my time's valuable. I, they're showing my time is is worth spending on making sure I focus on the stars, making sure I continue to stay in that space. And it uh, and, I, and, I, and I know it's it's so like I, I say that and I always thank people for reading. But like the more people and I'm, I'm not I'm not going anywhere like that's not there's no risk. Like it's not like I'm making a threat or anything like that. But just the reality is there's a lot of stars fans out there. The more that read and subscribe to Shap Shots because I can see where people subscribe from and what they read and everything. The more star stuff I'll do. It's just the reality yeah. of it. That's yeah. kind that's 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 the reality of how this all works. And um you have to like one of the things I know for example because I do this stuff with D magazine and I talk to the editor there Mike Pelusi quite a bit. Give Mike a ton of credit because Mike um, after I was obviously let go from the athletic and had my, uh, unforeseen career change. Um, he was one of the people and similar to you and I having the conversation about this podcast, Gavin was, Hey, how do we keep you in the stars landscape? You and Mike and have you and Mike had very similar ideas about things. And Mike's done a great job at D magazine with me and, uh, Robert Tiffin and David Castillo and bringing these people in to say like, Hey, we can't, we don't have the budget. We don't have the budget or the the space to do full-time beat writers. D magazine doesn't do that. That's not part of their business model, but we can still do some pretty damn good stars coverage with what I have within my limitations and kudos to, to Mike for really seeing that space. And honestly, the reason that he's able to keep doing it, the reason he's able to keep paying me to do D magazine pieces and to bring, to keep having David and, and Robert write as well is, they see the back end. The people who at some point, at some point it often it always gets to um the money people. Then and Mike's not getting the getting the clearance from his bosses to 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 pay for stars coverage if it's not turn if it's not drawn eyeballs. And so kudos to people for continuing to support D magazine. Do the same thing for defending Big D, please. Um it's I think sports coverage in general, um, and it's it's good for people to compete and it's good for people to push each other, but it's also it's also a space where you can, uh, if somebody's doing something you like, shout it out from the rooftops, man. Like I mean, like I, that's 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 something too that I I th- I feel like sometimes as a, um, and I say this as 
someone who reads a lot of stuff and I've gotten better at this myself in the past couple of years of, if I read a story I really like, no matter who wrote it, no matter, um, no matter who wrote it, I've gotten in my life, I've gotten better about just either giving it the, the share or if uh, maybe emailing the author or sending the, the DM to say, Hey, that was pretty good. Like, I mean, the amount of times when you get like a direct message from someone or an email and it's like, Hey, that meant a lot to me. Like, I don't think people realize how far that goes. Like it's, it, it's, it really massive is a lot. It's massive. And I think for stars fans, one of the reasons this really hurt, one of the reasons the, the athletics reshuffling really hurt is you love this team. You love the Dallas stars. And someone told you, a company told you, something you love isn't worth their time. And that hurts. And I feel for Stars fans on that. And I really hope we're filling a bit of that void. And I hope we, I hope my, um, like I'm very, been, I'm been being very sincere about all this right now. Like I'm being very, not emotional, but very sincere about all this. I really hope that, um, that we're doing something that helps and, and helps a little bit with that because I wrote about this today. Like, for example, like I'm a huge, I'm a big soccer fan. I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan. And I love, I watch every Tottenham Hotspur game. I'm overly fanatical about it. And if all of a sudden told me, someone told me something I love didn't matter, I would be hurt. And I, uh, so yeah, stars fans, I like, I, I, my career, I really owe a lot of my career to stars fans. So to see them hurt the way they were by this and rightfully so, um, I hope just doing this podcast and other things we're able to do, I, I hope it helps a little bit. So. Well, I, and I did, I did tweet about the yeah. podcast and got a really nice yeah. response. So yeah. that, that, that was good. And that was encouraging, um, mm-hmm. because you have day job and I, I have a pretty busy day job too. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a great passion for hockey and I also like taking a step back and that's why I like having you on as well as Craig, because I think just me doing this solo would be quite boring actually. Um, and I personally feel as though my job is, is just to throw things up in the air and comment on them. But I really like to hear from you and I like to hear from Craig too. So I think, you know, we're going to continue this and I'll say this. Um, if, you know, any stars outlet wants to come on, I'm happy to interview, you know, and, and talk stars hockey. And I will tell you, we made a concerted effort this year at 105.3 The Fan to add hockey coverage. And we want to work with the organization to get more players on. That's been an issue. I'm just being completely honest. And it hasn't been from our end. So we want to have players on. And I'm just going to say that out loud because that's something that people say to me. And... So we're going to work on it this year and we're going to try to provide more coverage for stars fans because I think it's a great outlet as well. Um, and I often feel as though when you can mix talk from the stars or highlight the game along with Cowboys talk and Rangers talk, that's good. People have to understand that, you know, when you're talking and you're also talking about the Cowboys, the Rangers, Mavericks and stuff like that, you're cross-pollinating the fan bases. And that's a good thing. 
you want the casual Mavericks fan to say, man, this hockey sounds exciting. I got to check it out. Because everyone that goes to the AAC to watch a hockey game, I've never heard anyone say, eh, it wasn't that good. Like, even if the Stars yeah. lose, they love it. Live hockey, you know, it is such amazing value. You you cheer, you laugh, you get to see fights. You're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Fans into it, you know, banging on the boards. It's it, it's it's great. So, um, yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, this is Spitz and Suds. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Uh, some news this week. Patrice Bergeron, all-time great center, uh, calls it quits. An amazing career, an amazing tribute that he wrote, uh, thanking the city of Boston, his family, his parents, his wife, his kids, uh, Canada for playing in the Olympics. It was just so well written um, and just I mean, you know, can't say enough about Patrice Bergeron. But it did lead me to the question of a name that I brought up earlier on in this podcast. Sean Shapiro, if you had the choice, Patrice Bergeron or Anse Kopitar, who are you choosing and why? Um, and I don't know if there's a I, wrong answer. I, <laughs> yeah, I know there's not a there's not a there's not a wrong answer. Um I mean I, I personally I think uh Kopitar to me gets the edge simply because I like to be um I will I, I feel Kopitar's game was more entertaining, if if that makes sense, right? Where it's like Bergeron's game was so efficient and everything like that. Like you would you 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 hundred percent would never you would always uh you would build a team around Patrice Bergeron, no matter what. I'm not mm-hmm. disputing that at all, but I also, Kopitar's game was a little bit more exciting, a little bit. And, and I think maybe that's where the tiebreaker goes, where I, it's sports are entertainment and I want to be more entertained. And I think Anze Kopitar entertained me more than Patrice Bergeron because now Patrice Bergeron obviously entertained Bruins fans more because they won a lot of games. But to me as a hockey fan in general, I think, and I also think, um, and I can't hold this against Bergeron, but I just think it's a reality of it too. I think Kopitar has had to, um, has proven himself in situations that Bergeron was never in where Bergeron never really played for a bad team. And what Kopitar has done, even on as when, when the Kings have gone through some downswings to me has been pretty impressive too. So that's kind of it. Now it's, 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 it's very much splitting hairs, but that's where I would, uh, when, when you ask me to split the hairs, it comes down to Kopitar's game slightly more exciting. And I have the proof of life that he could do it on a bad team. And and maybe that's yeah. uh, unfair to Bergeron to say he couldn't, he didn't, he just didn't have a bad team to, to ever do it on. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, for those listening, and this is my fault, and I have to do a better job. Anse Kopitar is a center for the Los Angeles Kings. Patrice Bergeron, longtime center for the Boston Bruins, who just announced his retirement. Um, Anse Kopitar started in 2006-2007. Pretty amazing, 61 points in his first season. Uh, 11th pick that year. And just a, it's just, you know, if you do the career, 1,292 games, uh, 393 goals, 748 assists coming up on 1200 points. So um, both players just uh, special, both players, Hall of Famers uh, winning cups. So 
Uh, I just wanted to give that uh, comparison, but a massive stick tap to Patrice Bergeron and an unbelievable career. The Bruins are going to look so different this year, Sean, without Krejci, without Bergeron. Um, it's going to be different, but somehow they always find a way. Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, – the fact of the matter is um, Jim Montgomery's coaching acumen is going to be really tested. Sure after, thing. obviously, yeah. uh, after after year one to uh, – year one in that team and obviously setting records and winning the Jack Adams and well-deserved and everything like that. It's really going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to be tested this year. I, mean, I, I just pulled it up. It was interesting, Gavin, the uh, it's, I didn't realize how exactly down to the button they were. So I just pulled it up on hockey reference using the comparison tool. So um, as of right now, and obviously Kopitar's numbers will still continue to go up um, in Throughout their careers, Patrice Bergeron played uh, 12,000, uh, 1,294 regular season games in his NHL career, 1,294. Anze Kopitar has played 1,292. Yeah. The difference is literally two games. And Kopitar had, had had more points by about 100, has more points by about 100, more, assist, more assists by about, uh, and but then Bergeron had the, had, had more power play points had more, but there, there's so many things about them. Like um, it's funny, like hockey reference has a, has a metric that they call point shares, which is uh, uh, basically measures. Okay. How many, how many points does a player contribute to a team in a season? And it, and, and so for the career thus far, uh, Bergeron's is 125.5 and Kopitar's is 124.5, like right next to each other. Um, and uh, so it's 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 a real it's actually a really good question that that I'm sure people who are either Kings fans or Bruins fans will get more heated in. But I'm gonna say uh, I split hairs and went with Kopitar. But yeah, both tremendous players. I just thought it was an interesting sports comparison, and we're not even talking about the you know both are amazing room guys, and then you talk about the center mm-hmm. position. Both are amazing at faceoff draws, and then they are amazing two way players as well. Um, so it's just, it's it's just, I thought it was fascinating, like looking into both of them. And uh, I would actually say too, that the regular hockey fan, you know, or the passionate hockey fan would know about them, but these are not mainstream names, Sean. And that's, what's kind of fascinating. I mean, they're two greats that kind of have flown under the radar for the casual hockey fan is probably the best way to put it. I don't know if Bergeron has though. I mean, he's played in, he's played in Boston. He's won the Selkie five times and everything like that. So I don't know about Bergeron because I think he's, he's always got a bit of that original six. Sure. Always, always talked about more in Canada bump. So I think that, but I think Kopitar is overall, I think Kopitar flies a little bit more under the radar simply from the fact where um, people always knew he was good in LA, but I, I think it's kind of, He's kind of that forgotten, not he's kind of that forgotten superstar where if you're like, oh, I'm going to name superstars in the league and you name five or six and you wouldn't name him and you'd be like, maybe I should have. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I think Bergeron kind of because of the Boston market and where he is and everything, I think he got more of his due in the national space um, than Kopitar did. Yeah. I would not, when I say casual hockey fan, I'm talking about people that know McDavid. Crosby, Ovechkin, 
maybe a couple others in their home team. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's but you're fair. right. That's for fair. hockey fair. fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. I mean, yeah. everyone knows Patrice Bergeron, and they might not know, you know, Kopitar. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. interesting uh, comparison. And then we see that Vladimir Tarasenko signs a one-year, five million dollar, has a no-trade clause. It's not a no-movement clause. It's a no-trade clause. Um, to the Ottawa Senators. Sean, I love this deal for both Ottawa and I loved it for Tarasenko as well. I mean, I think it was a great piece of work by Ottawa. Yeah. The, uh, um, the, to sign with, you sign with a team that I, I don't think is a playoff team this year. I just, and it, that's not that I don't think Ottawa hasn't gotten better. I just, I don't think they're a playoff this team here because of the division and conference they're in. But so you get a team where, Tarasenko takes a nice little bet here, right? Where he signs for one year, $5 million. And, and maybe it's, uh, and potentially you get the, 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 the payout of Ottawa becoming a playoff team and who the heck knows you got something good, but by also signing the one year, $5 million deal, you have the opportunity to be one of the biggest names at the deadline again, and Ottawa has the opportunity to potentially buy a draft pick if they aren't as close as they'd like to be. I think it's a great little move by both sides here where Tarasenko gets the chance to play in the playoffs this year. I really think that whether it's either Tarasenko will be in the playoffs this year, he will either be in the playoffs because Ottawa is in that spot and they made that next jump or he'll be traded to a contender and he'll be in the playoffs. The Senators will either be a playoff team or they'll be booking, they'll be doing a nice asset the same way. And while obviously the, the return on the deal kind of plummeted because John Klingberg's play in Anaheim plummeted. It's the same way that Anaheim basically signed Klingberg to buy a draft pick in the season. Mm -hmm. I like it for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And then you look at the names, you know, that he gets to play with, with, uh, Stoltz, Kachuk, Giroux, Pinto, Shabbat, Chikrin. Um, mm-hmm. A good little team, whether or not they could put it together. But, I mean, he's going to have the opportunity to prove that he is um, what he was once known as, and that's a quality scoring uh, forward that deserves a nice contract. So I thought it was a good placement. If, if I, yeah. Yeah, go if ahead. I, if, I put, if I put Ottawa in the West, if I put that roster in the West, I think they're a playoff team. I agree. I think it's the the issue comes down to the conference, and I think that's really the issue. Where it's, I think they've built a pretty good team, but I the East to me is it's still a bear. So. What if I put Ottawa in the Metro? Hmm. Still, I mean borderline, but better. I mean that that East division's tough when you have to go through Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston. Yeah, those are, Buffalo is improved. I mean, those, those are, those are tough. I mean, but you know, Hey, they, they can do it. I mean, because we look at the central and the central's not easy either. Yeah. But it, it's still tough to be like that, that conference, right? Like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh, Carolina I mean, I mean, Rangers. I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but like, can you imagine? I, I wonder, um, we got Sidney Crosby coming off, not, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin coming off not playing in the playoffs. Can like I I those guys have had such long careers, playoff runs and everything. And 
like the fact that Pittsburgh is coming in with like we saw in Dallas what happened where where what a healthy Jamie Ben looked like after the Stars missed the playoffs. Like I would be scared of Pittsburgh this year just because like I think in a healthy combined with a motivated and yep. angry Malkin and Crosby to push things to to kind of prove they're still they've still got it like I would be scared of Pittsburgh this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And we did get some clarification when Claude Giroux talked about Alec Debrinkit and that he didn't necessarily want to stay in Ottawa. So um, we yeah. both agree that Detroit still got, you know, a good oh, deal yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time, it did provide some clarification. Um, and, you know, not a bad pickup to replace Debrinkit in uh, Tarasenko. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was interesting. It is going to be a absolute fun year. And wanted to finish with, we got, you know, um, one of our popular listeners, uh, Howey, he says, uh, wasn't sure when the next podcast would drop, but have an early question building off the last one. You could look ahead to the trade deadline. Who would be on your wish list for potential D-men trade uh, candidates? Any initial favorites? And thank you so much for your question. This is how I answered it. Um, basically, yeah. I said, very tough to judge. Um, because we don't know who's going to be fighting for a wild card spot. Um, usually at the halfway point, I think you'd agree, Sean, you get a pretty good gauge, but I did say this one name that you'll hear a lot is Noah Hannafin because his deals expiring in Calgary. I know that, you know, from what I was reading, there was a lot of chatter around draft with, with the Calgary flames about, you know, someone, you know, one of the teams trying to pick, Hannafin off of their hands. So wanted to get your thoughts and will he be like the marquee defenseman similar to what we saw primarily all of last year with Chikrin? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, obviously Hannafin and Chikrin are slightly different because Chikrin was a RFA. Hannafin, yeah. I think will be a, um, he's a UFA. He's a UFA. So that's definitely way more, uh, there's there's definitely more certainty of how that will go if uh if things so I mean Hannafin is is definitely one um Tyson Berry will be a UFA next summer um and uh will will be be on an expiring contract um be interesting to see how a the Shane Gossespear experiment in Detroit will be interesting because he signed a one year, $4.125 million deal with Detroit. And he's someone who, if he can be, if he can dial the dial it back a little bit, he's someone who I could see a team bringing in to try to help the power play. Um, and uh, once again, the, the, I mean, the Brett Pesci one too is big. I, I don't know if Brett Pesci will get an extension before and maybe won't be available. So it won't be a thing, but he's another one. Um, well, uh, of those, of those guys who are going to be pending free agents. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, somebody is going to, I don't think like there's there, a, a name that, for example, a name that teams probably should avoid, but will he'll get, uh, attention at the deadline will be Tyler Myers because he'll be a UFA and I don't think Vancouver is going to be very good. So I think some team will, I think Tyler Myers could be in play, but I don't think teams, I don't, I would not be stepping right up to, to get Tyler Myers, but I, I think he's one that we'll see popping up. Um, it's just, 
right now there's not the guy I like actually, um, who I would be, I think would be a sneaky good depth defender because and he'll be a UFA after he'll be a UFA. So, um, is, is Matt Roy. Like, I think Matt Roy would be a sneaky good pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, if LA doesn't think that there, he's going to be part of the, the long-term space. Yeah. You don't see it often. Calgary has five unrestricted free agents on the blue line after this year. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is uh, different times in Calgary, so to speak. So, all right, my man. Well, that was a lot of topics and uh, appreciated it as always. It's the off season, but we are not short of news. And that's what I love about this podcast. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. And we'll, uh, you know what? We're only, uh, we're getting closer to the season, but enjoy the, enjoy, the, enjoy the off season. Enjoy these podcasts, please. And uh, yeah. as I said earlier, as I said earlier, as we were talking, like, I, I really want people to know that it's, this we do this for you we do this for you because and the reason we're able to continue doing it for you and i give gavin credit for when i was in a spot where all of a sudden i was a free agent and available to do something like this gavin said hey let's try it and we've because of how people have listened we've been able to keep growing it it's how we did shows during the the playoffs um so I really, I really appreciate the people who keep listening to this, who keep sharing it, doing all that jazz and everything. So, um, yeah, so just thank you. I'm going to end it with for, for that, for, for me, I'm just going to say thank you. Cause I think, um, I sometimes, I sometimes pinch myself thinking that people actually give a damn about what I have to think about anything. So thank you. Well, Sean, I just wanted someone on the podcast. That would be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that hanging out in wisconsin i just called you out (laughs) oh my goodness all right so for sean shapiro the name of the book is we win here also if you want to follow team usa sean's been uh, doing some cool coverage on that as well and uh give me a name on team usa i should look out for well, yeah, right now this is, I mean, this is the world junior summer showcase and uh, it's, there's the big, not, I mean, big names, obviously there's the, um, the, the Will Smith who went number four to the Sharks this year. He's going to be a huge part of Team USA at the thing, but um, I've been fat just because I, I kind of nerd out in the space. I've been fascinated watching the goalie competition for the world Gemmer showcase. It's uh it's a, uh, there's three, uh, there's a uh, Trey Augustine who was the starter last year at world junior. Who's a Michigan can be at Michigan state this year. And as a Detroit is a, is a Detroit pick. And then, uh, uh, foul, uh, I'm drawing a complete blank on his first name, but the last name is Fowler who played for the Youngstown phantoms in the USHL last year. And is going to be a freshman at Boston college this year who looks really good in camp. So, um, I always, I, I love this. I'm as for, for the quick backstory for people that, World Junior Summer Showcase is happening right now in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, basically, it's the time where they're sorting out the teams of who will be representing Team USA in the winter. And you know what? Maybe we first game is tomorrow, Gavin. And uh, I think when we record our next episode, we can give you a little bit more nice. of like, hey, I like th- I like this guy. I like this guy a lot. And keep an eye on this guy and things like that. So that'd be great. That's uh, that that's awesome. And uh, the book continues to uh, sell. If you I've not heard of We Win Here. It's a great deep dive into the Texas Stars organization as well as how these Texas Stars became the Dallas Stars. So 
some great um, kind of stories you might not have heard before. And uh, one thing that everyone agrees is that hockey has the best stories. And Curtis McKenzie's involved. And obviously, Sean is a, a great author. Um, you read his stuff all the time. And uh, this is a, a great book. So I would encourage everyone to pick it up. That's another way to support Stars Hockey and my buddy Sean Shapiro. So, all right, buddy, have a good weekend and uh, look forward to catching up next week. You too, man. I always look forward to these. So, yeah, seriously, everyone, thank you for listening and thank you to Gavin for uh, helping us get this all together. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone, just uh, as we mentioned earlier, the best way to show your support is like, pass it on, retweet it, and uh, just support Spits and Suds, uh, you know, because we want it to continue in the offseason. We want it to continue the momentum. So, while we're super excited about the regular season coming, um, these off-season programs have given us an opportunity. If you listen to Spits and Suds during the playoffs, we kept saying this is kind of a June-July conversation. Well, we're now having those conversations now, and it's uh, it, it's great to talk hockey uh, with 100-degree weather outside. <laughs> so for Sean Shapiro, I'm Gavin Spittle. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks for listening to Spits and Suds.